Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Usually produced at the studios of 3CR, but today produced from my home on unceded Wurundjeri country and broadcast to stolen lands right across this continent via the community radio network. I'm Tisha Nahern. Four of the most polluting power stations actually in the world um, all kind of centred around this area here with the addition of um, diesel pollution from heavy machinery and it's galling that they have the technology to do it. It's well within their financial possibility to do it. They're not enforced to by the EPA, so they don't. Um, and we're the ones that really suffer the consequences. It's hard if you're a parent of a young child with asthma in the Hunter Valley um, to read this plan and not think, wow, this is actually something that should have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Every year, approximately almost 5,000 people die in Australia as a result of exposure to toxic air pollution. The most recent analysis of coal-fired power stations alone found that they contribute to 845 babies being born with low birth weight, 14,434 children with asthma, and 785 premature deaths each year in Australia, at an annual health cost of $2.4 billion. Environmental Justice Australia has released two new reports, the People's Clean Air Action Plans for Victoria and New South Wales. These call on state governments to immediately act on the worst sources of toxic air pollution, namely coal-fired power stations, vehicle emissions and wood heaters. Today on Earth Matters, we speak with lawyer Bronger Lipsky and GP Bob Vickers about the People's Clean Air Action Plans. I started by asking Bob about the health impacts of air pollution. So there's a couple of ways that you can break down health and air pollution. Um, you can break it down into the size of the particles. So you have the what people call PM10, PM2.5, which are coarse and fine particles, respectively. The 10 and the 2.5 actually refer to microns in diameter. So a PM10 particulate is about a quarter the width of a human hair. Um, PM2.5 is a quarter the size of that. And then you also have smaller gas-like particles like nitrogen dioxide, sulfur dioxide, and each of those particulates has different health effects in both short-term and long-term health effects. Uh, the, the one that people think of most of the time, and, and correctly so, is the lung effects. Um, and all particulates in some way or another have a chronic or a, a short-term effect on lung health. Um, for example, there's associations with nitrogen dioxide and childhood asthma rates increasing. Um, on days where there's high peaks in sulfur dioxide, we see increased presentations of children with their asthma to hospital and increased hospital admissions. Um, and we know that PM2.5 long-term exposure to poor lung development in children from an early age. So across those different types of particulates, you have all effects on children's lungs, but slightly different effects in uh, short-term versus long-term effects. So now in terms of your, your work, 
um, in Singleton in the Hunter Valley. So maybe if you can paint us a bit of a picture of uh, the sources of air pollution in the Hunter Valley um, and then how you see that presenting in your patients and, and in the community around you. So the Hunter Valley um, includes a couple of different towns. Um, you've got the kind of coastal towns of Newcastle and Maitland and then the Upper Hunter in Singleton, Musselbrook and Scone. This whole region is essentially coal centre of New South Wales. Um, we've got uh, around us, as last count, 17 open cut coal pits. Um, and these are huge. Uh, the, some of them are the size of Newcastle Harbour. So they're, they're massive, massive pits in the ground. I think it's about over 30,000 um, acres of open cut pits. So that's cleared vegetation. With that, um, any type of kind of weather variation where there's a light breeze or a bit of a couple of dry months and that recent big drought that we had, um, you get a lot of coarse particulate pollution. You have uh, quite large diesel trucks um, driving through all of those coal mines, graders, loaders, lots of industrial machinery. Um, and between them, they burn 700 million litres of diesel every year. Uh, so that the vehicle pollution from the mines is also quite significant. And then that coal, a lot of it is shipped uh, overseas, but um, some of it is burnt here in four power stations kind of in the Hunter and Central Coast region. So we've got Bayswater and Liddell between Singleton and Musselbrook. And then you've got uh, Araring and uh, Vales Point power station closer to the coast. And so you've, you've got sources of the coarse particulates, probably more so than anywhere else in the, the country. I think Musselbrook um, has been ranked pretty highly in terms of coarse particulate pollution as a postcode nationally. Um, and you've got four of the most polluting power stations actually in the world, um, all kind of centred around this area here with the addition of um, diesel pollution from heavy machinery and just normal vehicle pollution as well. So it's kind of a an overwhelming burden. Our, our monitors that monitor our air quality are consistently um, breaching the national standards in Musselbrook and Singleton. I think the load-based licensing is probably worth mentioning as well. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people would be shocked to, to learn that uh, there is a scheme that exists where rather than having a single event where someone makes pollution, if the EPA catches you out, you cop a fine. Um, a lot of the industry uh, falls under this concept of load-based licensing where you have to record how much pollution you're creating and you're essentially taxed for it. So you pay a fixed rate per pollution. Um, New South Wales coal mines are exempt from that scheme, despite the fact that they are one of the biggest industrial sources of pollution in New South Wales. Um, and again, that's something that could be mitigated with the stroke of a pen um, from the environment minister. Um, it's something that's been on his desk for many years. It's not a difficult thing to implement. It's a standard for everyone else. It's just, it's not fair that it's not a standard for the mines. So I guess that can take us then to the People's Clean Air Action Plan for New South Wales. Can you tell us firstly your involvement in the plan and then also what that plan sets out in terms of trying to address this really uh, staggering uh, health and environmental crisis in the Hunter? The issues with air pollution locally uh, it's not a, a new issue. It was actually raised um, about 10 years ago um, by GP uh, who went on, I think, a 730 report. And there was a big story on dust in Singleton because there was a couple of cancers and they were concerned about a cancer cluster. Um, so from then, it, it it's had attention and that people know around Singleton and Musselbrook that, that they call it the dust, but it is air pollution, is an issue. Um, and so a couple of years ago, we invited 
the New South Wales um, Environment Minister at the time, who was Gabrielle Upton, to come and visit and discuss the issues. Um, I met with Joel Fitzgibbon, um, and we, we tried to contact a couple of people to just to try and work out a plan, because from 2013 to 2018, there was a really steep increase in the number of local monitors that were breaching the, the standard, the air quality standards. And actually, the New South Wales government has been working on a clean air strategy. Um, that was something that had been agreed to as a, as a response to all our concerns. Unfortunately, it kind of then made its way to the current Environment Minister's desk and has sat there for, I think, over 12 months now without actually being released. And so um, some very good people at Environmental Justice Australia um, and people in the Hunter and around the Trobe Valley um, thought that if the New South Wales government isn't going to make a clean air strategy, that we'd make our own. Um, and so the, the key points in the clean air strategy are really addressing issues that we've been raising with government for a long time that we're just, they're falling on deaf ears. Over the 2019-2020 bushfires that ravaged the east coast of Australia, places like the Hunter Valley were faced with not just the uh, air pollution from coal mining and burning, but also with the air pollution from bushfires. Can you talk to us a bit about that compounding uh, health effect and the injustice of that? Yeah, so we had uh, on that November 2019, um, a day where our um, fine particulates, the PM 2.5 level was 17 times the um, acceptable standard. And it was like, you could, you could taste it. You could smell the smoke in the air, even indoors. I was working in an emergency department that day and we were having people coming in with respiratory distress that had no existing lung disease. And that's, that's something that we know can happen once you get into those really harmful, dangerous levels of fine particulate. The, the issue is, is that when we know there are short-term effects from air pollution, like increased exacerbations of emphysema and asthma um, and respiratory distress, that's compounded on top of uh, Singleton and Musselbrook already having a higher rate of asthma and those illnesses compared to the rest of the country. So the national average, it, it differs a little bit depending on the age, but the, the national average for kids and, and childhood asthma is about 13%, um, whereas it's closer to about 18% in Musselbrook and Singleton. And there's no um, environmental reason for that. There's no socio-demographic reason for that. Our smoking rates aren't higher. There's no genetic propensity. It's purely just the coal. There's no way around that. Coal mining and burning in Hunter Valley um, contributes to a significant increase in childhood asthma. Um, and it's, it's quite frustrating in that AGL, who own Liddell and Bayswater, so that's our two closest power stations, they could spend about $50 million roughly um, give or take a couple of million installing best practice controls uh, to limit sulfur and nitrogen dioxide pollution. Um, they, they could have done that when those, uh, or at least when Bayswater was constructed or in the last 10 years, they could have installed those filters. Um, I think their annual profit last year was $1 billion. So it's galling that they have the technology to do it. It's well within their financial possibility to do it. They're not enforced to by the EPA, so they don't. Um, and we're the ones that really suffer the consequences. Bob Vickers, doctor and contributor to the People's Clean Air Action Plan for New South Wales. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. On today's show, the deadly effects of air pollution and the community plan to protect health 
and the environment. My name is Bronya Lipsky. I'm a lawyer at the Public Interest Environmental Legal Practice Environmental Justice Australia. We've been working on air pollution law reform, policy reform and litigation for about a decade now and really sunk our teeth into air pollution from coal-fired power stations and the environmental justice issues associated with that. Um, but we work with communities throughout Australia who are concerned about a range of uh, different sources of controllable air pollution, uh, including from vehicles, um, from wood smoke heaters, from logging coop burns after the, um, the coops have been uh, logged, uh, and, and trying to, um, to affect change in those areas. Um, we're in a very unique position as a public interest environmental legal practice where we have access to a whole range of community members, uh, experts, health experts, technical experts. And so um, we really felt for reasons that I'll talk about soon that it was time to bring all those folks together to develop what that what what a robust clean air policy should look like for both Victoria and New South Wales. So let's get into the latest publications that Environmental Justice Australia has just put out. That's the People's Clean Air Action Plan. And there's one for Victoria and one for New South Wales. So if you want to give us a bit of an introduction to the report. Sure, I'd love to. So the People's Clean Air Action Plan for Victoria and, as you said, for New South Wales as well, was really developed in collaboration with a lot of the community groups that we work with who are concerned about a range of sources of controllable air pollution um, with air pollution experts in the United States, some of whom um, have been head honchos of the US EPA over there and have been deeply involved in the legislative and enforcement process around uh, air pollution in the United States. And with our network of, of health professionals who we collaborate with, the, the, the People's Clean Air Action Plan is the result of our frustration, community frustration and the health profession's frustration with the, the glacial rate at which both Victorian and New South Wales governments have um, developed their clean air strategies for those states. The Victorian clean air strategy was initiated by the Victorian government in 2018 and we don't have one yet. It hasn't been finalised. Uh, and um, the New South Wales clean air strategy was proposed in 2016 and there was a large community engagement with that process um, and has still resulted in absolutely nothing. And so we got together, as I said, with, with the, the, the folks that we work with uh, from a range of different areas uh, in the community and in, in different expert areas and just developed our own policy plan as a way of saying to both the Victorian and New South Wales governments, you know what, like we're, we've, we're tired of waiting and now we've done the work for you. And we have a list of actions that the government both the governments can implement uh, and you should do so so that we can be reducing those controllable sources of air pollution to as close to zero as possible. There's two places that I really want to go with this. Let's start with what are the recommendations that have been developed? So we've made, so the, the People's Clean Air Action Plan focuses on the three major sources of 
controllable air pollution uh, in both New South Wales and in Victoria. In both states, the largest source of, of air pollution is coal-fired power stations. And air pollution from coal-fired power stations is one of the biggest environmental justice issues in the country because of the sheer amount of pollution that they generate uh, and the disproportionate number of community members that it, it, that it impacts. Um, quite often with air pollution law, um, or pollution law in general, there's an attitude that if, if a facility is going to affect a greater number of people, then more effort will be going into reducing that source of pollution. So when you have a community like the Latrobe Valley, which is, has you know, around 150,000 people and three remaining enormous coal-fired power stations that belch out literally millions and millions of kilograms of air pollution every year, you do have a very serious environmental justice issue. And then again, in places like the valley, um, come autumn and come winter, not only have you got the power stations, but then you've got um, logging coop burns after Vic Forest has done its damage there. You've got um, wood smoke heaters that get lit up and you've just got this massive, um, massive issue of air pollution in the area. So the first step really in controlling that pollution is to make the licences for the power stations um, emissions limits very strict to require the installation of best available control technologies. And this is something that we've talked about quite a few times and it's something that's been implemented in so many other global jurisdictions, whether that's the US or the European Union or China or Japan um, or South Korea, power stations have been retrofitted to install these pollution controls to reduce those toxic pollutants by anywhere between 90 and 95%. And so in order to reduce that health impact on those communities and reduce that air pollution, we need to have those licences strict and those, those pollution controls installed. So you've talked about how both Victoria and New South Wales have failed to uh, create plans around air pollution. Now, you've also mentioned regulation in other jurisdictions. In 2017, uh, EJA released the Toxic and Terminal Report about uh, regulation or lack thereof of emissions from uh, coal-fired power stations in Australia. And we, we spoke with you, Bronya, on Earth Matters then what has happened in the intervening years or what hasn't happened and has, you know, I guess also set out a bit of the, what is the regulatory or lack of regulatory framework that we have specifically in Victoria and New South Wales? Sure. So I, so the short answer with Victoria is nothing has changed. Not long after we released Toxic and Terminal, the Victorian government announced that it was going to undertake some very substantial reforms of our Environment Protection Act here. And we are still waiting for that act to um, be implemented. It's due to come into force on 1st of July this year. The other thing that happened after Toxic and Terminal was released was that the EPA initiated a review of the licences of the coal-fired power stations in Victoria. That review process commenced towards the end of 2017. It is now nearly March 2021 and we still do not have a result for the license review process and this is despite three years of very committed community members and health professionals uh, and ourselves at EJA 
um, saying to the EPA, these are the ways that you need to be reforming the licenses of the power stations to be reducing that pollution, to bring those power stations in line with the rest of the world and to be protecting people's health. So as, as we're speaking now, the EPA has said that it's supposed to be releasing its um, its the, the results of that review process by the end of February, but they've also been telling us that for about three years now. So we, 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 will, we will not hold our breath, so to speak. There has been very minimal changes in New South Wales. There was a licence review process of the power stations there. Um, it has resulted in some streamlining of the pollution licences for those power stations um, to make them more consistent with each other. One of our criticisms was the inconsistency uh, between the way that power stations are regulated in the state, let alone in the rest of the country, but essentially very, very minor changes that haven't resulted in a substantial obligation on the operators to reduce their air pollution. So unfortunately, the short answer is uh, nothing, despite community appetite for that and despite... Um, the health community pretty much unanimously across the country being um, in support of the reduction of those of those pollutants from these power stations. So Wendy Farmer, president of the community group Voices of the Valley, Voices of the Valley have long uh, campaigned around a just transition for the Latrobe Valley, uh, which has been so so incredibly affected by coal mining and coal-fired power generation. Uh, Wendy is quoted in the report. Uh, And so I guess I'm sort of wondering about how you see uh, this report, this action plan, that's fitting in with um, long-running community calls for a just transition. I think they're they're certainly very complementary. Incredible advocacy groups like Voices of the Valley and fierce advocates like Wendy Farmer do advocate for the, the need for community health and to increase the health and well-being of, of people in the Latrobe Valley. And they've been doing that ever since the Hayeswood Mine Fire in 2014. There is an absolute link between environmental health and community health. And so while there have been some very important initiatives established in the Latrobe Valley, like the Health Innovation Zone, there's a, there's a neglect of the need to ensure a clean environment as part of community health. And a just transition involves so many moving parts and one of them for EJA and certainly for myself as, as a person who grew up um, and is born and bred in the Latrobe Valley, who, you know, all my family's still there. I've spent half my life in the joint. I love it. You know, it's a beautiful place. Um, it needs to, a just transition has to be accompanied with, an, with environmental justice and health justice. It can't just be about um, transferring a bunch of dudes who earn six figures into other jobs that where they earn six figures. A just transition is so much broader than that. And as I said, it must include environmental justice. And that includes installing pollution controls to protect community health. It includes remediating the ash dams so that um, the land can be healed and and reused so that groundwater contamination is cleaned up. Um, It includes a commitment to restoring the native biodiversity as much as possible. Um, It can't just be about, like I said, a, a, a very small minority of workers. It needs to bring the whole community along. The Victorian community as a whole owes a 
a health and an ecological debt to the Latrobe Valley as the place that provided it with electricity for nearly 100 years now. And the very least that a just transition can provide is a comprehensive restoration of the environment and a commitment to ensuring that community health is as, is as good as it possibly can be. So for listeners who are concerned about the issue of uh, air pollution, who are interested to read the report and and take further action, where can they go and what can they do? Well, start by jumping onto our website. Um, It's envirojustice.org.au slash project slash clean air action. Uh, You will find both the summary and the full plans for Victoria and New South Wales. There's a link there to email your um, environment minister to say to them, we've had enough, implement this plan EJA and the community have done the work for you. Uh, We do have some community events. Um, We've got some coming up on uh, Lake Macquarie in the Central Coast and the Upper Hunter. Um, And we have one in the Latrobe Valley uh, in person, which will be lovely uh, next Tuesday at the Mall Bowls Club. Um, But to get in contact with us, you know, this, this, the, the, the release of the people's clean air action plan is really just the beginning of a of a of a movement of like-minded committed collaborative incredible people throughout victoria and new south wales who are concerned about a range of um a range of sources of air pollution who want to work together and to make our air as clean as possible if folks are really interested the victorian government has initiated at the start of last year, actually after the devastating bushfires, an inquiry into the health impacts of air pollution. Um, that inquiry has been reopened. It's, it's kick-started again. Um, people are welcome to make submissions until the 2nd of April um, and to keep an eye out if you're interested on our website uh, to learn more about our submission and the, the actions that we'll be taking around that. So as I said, it's, it really feels like it's the beginning. The community webinars that we've held since we launched the plan last week have indicated to us that people are very committed to working together and to be taking those actions. Um, and we are absolutely here to support people in that journey. Bronya Lipsky, lawyer with Environmental Justice Australia. To read the reports and find out more, go to envirojustice.org.au. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Tisha Nahern. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Or if you're listening via your favourite podcasting service, why not subscribe and give us a review? Or even better, why not tell your friends about us? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced on Wurundjeri Country with thanks to 3CR Community Radio Melbourne. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or send us a letter, care of 3CR. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters.